is where creative believers are encouraged to be great artists. I am your mediocre host, Matt Anderson. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are listening from and uh, give us a five-star review. I know that's kind of a thing everyone says, but it does help us out. Uh, anything less than five stars, then please forget everything I just said. And remember, every time someone hits that subscribe button, someone somewhere wins the lottery. I mean, I, I guess, right? Somewhere? Well, there is a, a large macro-type discussion happening right now uh, in our society, and, and it is concerning the state of the arts. Um and let's narrow it down to the United States, the, the state of the arts in our country, uh, maybe around the world too. But this big discussion that's happening um, comes around in different ways. It's phrased differently. Uh, some are asking, is culture stagnant? Or are the arts just really bad right now? Uh, now, keep in mind, this is not a discussion being led by people of faith. This is by the art world and the critical art world. They're the ones asking this question. Um, here's something that I found from NPR. Quote, what is culture? Where does it come from? And why does it change? W. David Marks, author of the new book, Status and Culture, How Our Desire for Social Rank Creates Taste, Identity, Art, Fashion, and Constant Change, says the answers come from our desire for prestige. Marx uh, tells uh, a host how status has historically worked to drive trends like gourmet cupcakes or dark wash jeans, how the internet can lead to cultural stagnation, and ways we can redefine status to build a more equitable society. Uh, here's another uh, piece of that, Michelle Goldberg. Uh, she read and reviewed this book uh, recently for the New York Times, and from her review, it's pretty clear she is officially bored by popular culture. She writes this, quote, an obvious caveat, I'm a white middle-aged parent, so whatever is truly cool is by definition happening outside my purview. Still, when I go to coffee shops where young people are hanging out, the music is often either the same music I listened to when I was young or music that sounds just like it. One of the year's biggest hit singles, she says, is a Kate Bush song that came out in 1985. I can think of no recent novel or film that provoked passionate debate. A literary critic, Christian Lorenzen, recently stated, quote, Hollywood movies are boring, television is boring, pop music is boring, the art world is boring, Broadway is boring, books from big publishing are boring, end of quote. Do you agree with that? Have, have you found that to be true? 
I think it's a correct assessment. Now, let's be honest, television had a, a pretty good run there when the streaming services were all kind of getting off the ground and uh, there were, I mean, amazing shows being done and, and tremendous writing and acting, you know, five to 10 years ago. But really much of that has faded and all those best shows on television pretty much are finished or close to wrapping up. Um, as far as film goes, I honestly can't remember the last time I watched one in a theater and was moved. And music is just awful on almost all fronts. I think art in general is uh, really struggling right now. Now, the reasons why I may think that and some of the others I just stated previously think that are probably different. Uh, but they're as varied as the number of people who give those reasons. Uh, maybe it's partly COVID. Um, maybe it's just political divisiveness right now in our world. Maybe it's economic hardship in our nation. But honestly, I don't think most of those are really good reasons. Uh, because the 70s come to mind. And it was a... <laughs> volatile decade. I mean, it, it was the decade of the last part of Vietnam. It was Watergate. It was double-digit inflation and interest rates uh, in the late 70s, you know, gas lines, hostages in Iran, uh, the Soviet Union looking as if they were going to be the dominant force in the world. Uh, and, and we were worried about nuclear annihilation. But the 70s was a time when art, I mean, really thrived. Uh, and ideally, it should be in trying times that art becomes elevated and becomes a, a refuge. Uh, the films of the 70s are legendary, and there are many that make all the best of lists. The music of the 70s, I mean, wow, do I even have to explain. Um, the books and novels of the 70s were wonderfully dangerous, but that really isn't happening so much right now. I mean, so much has devolved. I mean, look what's happened to comedy alone. Whether it's scripted or stand-up. Now, there are some bold stand-up comedians out there who are willing to take the slings and arrows of doing what they're supposed to do, but uh, most of it is still very bland, very vanilla. Uh, sketch comedy is awful. Late night hosts, they're just not even funny anymore. It's just CNN with a political and a political message in a, a stupid tagline. People don't laugh anymore. Have you noticed this on late night shows? People hardly even laugh anymore. They just clap because they'll hear something the host says they agree with. And I might even do a show on that soon on the state of comedy. But what is happening? Here's what I think. I think we have lost sight, and this is everybody out there, whether you're in the church or not. I think we've lost sight of what I like to call the three A's of creativity. And more importantly, the order of them when it comes to creating art. And so what I want to do for the rest of this episode, I, I want to walk through what those three a words are. And then in the next segment, go through what I believe is the priority 
of those words. And how when they're misaligned, well, it just creates for very boring, stagnant art at best. So what I'm going to do, so as not to tip my hand here, I'm going to do these three alphabetically. And then we'll, we'll find out where they rank um, in a moment. Um, the first A is aesthetic. Aesthetic. In other words, the look, the beauty, the structure of what is created. Um, the, the technical and imaginative beauty of a piece. Whatever it is, it needs to be done well. It needs to be done with proficiency and with beauty. And I'll explain the beauty part in, in a little bit. Under this, I would also include originality. I mean, is, is it me or are half the movies being released either just remakes or retreads or sequels or something already done, but now it's been done poorly? I, I mean, so many of these things should, you know, the originals should be left alone. I certainly res respect Steven Spielberg, but West Side Story did not need to be redone. It didn't. You're not going to do it better. And let me just, on a personal note, <laughs> I'm just warning all of America. If any movie studio even tries to remake Casablanca, I will lose my brain and I will make it my personal mission to oppose it. I will be a one-man uh, oppositional force if need to be. We're talking, though, about excellence and execution. That's aesthetic. The second A is agenda. This is the message behind what is made. Now, again, agenda can easily be seen as a negative because, oh, there's, you know, because we always think there's hidden agenda. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a negative word because this is the why of the art. And, and we can have that argument of does everything created have to have a why to it? And especially, I know visual artists would probably really come at me with that. And, and that's, and that's fine. In other words, it's just the intentionality of a piece. Uh, what are we hoping to influence or persuade, provoke or elicit from the audience? Now, again, there, there doesn't always have to be a super deep meaning in everything. I totally get that. Some things are just beautiful on their face, and, and that's great. But I think great art should at least be able to answer the why or have a purpose behind it. And if that is the purpose, you know, like, boy, I want to show the beauty of this place, so watch what I do you know, with, with photographs. Watch, watch what I do with choreography to show the beauty, just the beauty of great. That's a, that's a lovely agenda. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but, and, and I know there are some who are like, we don't really have to answer that question. Um, or some would say it's just, dude, it's just to make money. <laughs> Honestly, that's a lot in film right now. And art like that, certainly does not stand the test of time. Um, and to me, that really is representative of a lot of what be, is being uh, pumped out today. It's content for cash, and that's all. 
So we've got aesthetic and we've got agenda. And the third A is anointing. Okay, this is a Christian podcast, so I'm going to use a churchy word and say anointing. You know, I know it sounds very, (laughs) I sound like an evangelist. It's a biblical churchy word, but it is a biblical word. And yes, I wouldn't necessarily use this on other podcasts, but it really perfectly fits ours. If you're in a secular setting, you would probably maybe use the word ability uh, here. If you wanted that sort of alliteration to continue. But in a Christian context, because we are that's who we're talking to here, our believers who are artists, we're speaking of things God has specifically empowered us to do. For instance, there, there are things I can do, but I'm not really anointed to do them. This fits all of us. There, I mean, there are things that we are serviceable at. Uh, you know, maybe you're a handy person and, and you're good at just doing small repairs around the house. I am not, by the way. Uh, but, you know, you're not about to take that on as a full-time career. You're not about to start your own business as, you know, Mrs. Handy, you know, and, and, and be out there and make commercials and all that. Uh, there are things that we, we can do, but we may not be really anointed by God to do it. I mean, I, I can cook all right, um, but I'm not about to release a cookbook anytime soon. What I do is serviceable and edible, and, uh, and, and it's fine, but it's, you know, it's not going to... Uh, elicit great responses, you know, from those who try it. You can be a hobbyist in some creative things, but to me, it only crosses from the private to the public threshold when there's an anointing from God. So artistically, there are probably things we can do, but maybe those things are just limited between us and the Lord. But maybe, just maybe, there, there is anointing upon us for certain artistic ventures that are meant to be seen by other eyes. And I think when we walk with him day by day, um, he will lead us to those areas. I, I think that there, he will give us a passion and a desire to do those things. Um, and then as a few eyes behold or see those things or hear those things, they are affected. And the Lord uses that to say, yes, amen, we're going the right way. Keep going, keep going. Again, I'm, I might draw a picture. I might sculpt something, but nobody <laughs> needs to see that because I'm, I'm not anointed to do that. Um, it might be something it's, it's fun to do, but uh, it's not necessarily meant for a wide audience. And so we need that ability from God. We need an aesthetic and then there's an agenda and those have to all be in place, I think, in order to really create. So understanding this, what we need to do next is establish the proper order of them and see how they interplay with one another.
So today we're talking about the three A's of creativity. And in the last segment, we talked about uh, aesthetic, we talked about agenda, and we talked about anointing. Those are the, the three words. Now, let's let's put them in, in a proper order um, and properly place them in the creative process. So here's my attempt to do that, and you are free to disagree. Uh, number one is anointing or ability. Again, if you want to keep this on a uh, out-of-church conversation. So, yes, there is something from God. There is an enablement from Him to do what we're about to do. And not only that, but we, we don't take it for granted. We ask for God's leading in this project. We, before we grab the brush, before our fingers operate on the keyboard, before we make one direction, uh, we ask for God's leading in this. And we remind ourselves of John 15, when Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we, we fully recognize that what we are doing is because of him, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, uh, James chapter 1. And only as we are connected to him and desiring to obey him and follow him in creative direction. He is the creative director. And we seek his enablement. And we just don't think, yeah, everything I touch is awesome. Because uh, we're, we're going to end up missing it. And we're going to make tributes to ourselves. And so we need his help in this process, even if this is the thousandth time we've done this. And that's something I have to remember. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, how long have you been, how long have you been preaching? And I said, yeah, well, it's been over, it's been, it's probably been 35 years now. Um, and how easy it is to be so used to doing something that you can do it almost robotically and the Lord doesn't even enter the, uh, the equation. And so I know I have to remind myself constantly that unless he is anointing me, that whatever I say is going to be ridiculous. It's not going to have an effect. And so we, we ask for God's leading both in subject matter and in execution and we attach ourselves to him because we recognize we already have the ability to do this. So therefore, God help us to do our best. And then number two of the three is aesthetic. Here's where the Christians might be getting angry. <laughs> I can sense your anger. Uh Aesthetic comes second. Agenda is third. So with the aesthetic, we now seek to make the most beautiful thing possible. Now, if, if, if I were writing this, I would put quotes around the word beautiful. Because there are some things uh, artistically that we create that are 
dark or maybe just downright ugly because it makes the point. It's it makes the proper point. Uh, and that certainly can apply in film and visual arts and you name it, storytelling, all of it. But doing that beautifully, if that makes sense, doing it with, uh, with, with great skill to the absolute best so that people are captivated by what is made and presented. And we go for the aesthetic. And I think we serve a God who is all about aesthetic. So I reached back to Exodus 25. And this is the children of Israel have have left Egypt. And they are beginning their journey. And they are at Mount Sinai. And this is shortly after they receive what we call the Ten Commandments. And then there are other instructions. But then... The Lord, in the midst of that monologue, says this uh, in Exodus 25, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. This really paints an awesome picture of how the creative process goes. God gives us the marching orders. He gives us not only the ability to do these things, he then gives us our marching orders. Now, he could have done it all himself. I mean, he, he kind of like made everything that we can see, the, the land, the sea, and the creatures, all of it. But he, he so wants us to be a part of this process. Isn't that great? Just stop right there, artist. Just take a moment. Have we taken that for granted? He wants to partner with you in this. He could just do all this himself and create museum pieces all day long. And we just say, wow, he did it again. But he wants to connect with us. He wants to pair up with us to say, here, go for it. Let's do it. Let's do it together. And so he says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary, but you've got to do this exactly to the pattern that I will show you. And then he goes through very meticulous details with all the, every part of this structure Um, with what kind of wood, what kind of fabric, what color. uh, I mean, incredible detail if you've read through it. And he did not go bargain basement in his choices. He went for an aesthetic. That's the kind of God that we serve. He doesn't just love beauty. He is beauty. It is is ultimately what shows him off the best. And isn't that kind of what we're all about? So we now seek to make the most beautiful thing possible now that he has given us. And and again, most of the time, I I wish God told me what to do the way he told the Israelites. (laughs) Get this much material and exactly this and exactly this. I I love for him to tell me how many pages my story should be and it should be on this and here's your characters. But he trusts me to take what he's given to me and, and then run with it once I have the basic understanding. And again, we're always deferring to him, aren't we? We're always deferring to him in that process. Even while we're trying to make the most beautiful thing possible, 
we're kind of like, okay, God, how do you feel about this? Is this good? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? And we're, we're just, we're allowing him to be the creative director. It really works uh, very well that way. So anointing is first, aesthetic is second, third is agenda. So what's the agenda here in Exodus 25 with this building of the, of the tabernacle? It was God's specifications. It was man's execution. But of course, it's back to God's agenda being accomplished. But here was the agenda, so that I will live with them. This would be the first time God would live among his people since Eden. Pretty big deal. God has not been, his presence had not been fully on the earth since the fall of man. And now he is saying, create this structure because, uh, and again, he has to be separated from the sin of man. So he creates this, this uh, house, this tabernacle, this sanctuary where he will abide among his people for the first time since then. This is a big deal. That's the agenda. Keep in mind, this was not done to impress other kingdoms where they could be like, yeah, man, look at this, huh? Look what we're dealing with. Yeah, you want to try something? Take a look at this. <laughs> it's not, that wasn't the goal. It wasn't used as a tool of intimidation to other nations and kingdoms who would seek to invade or attack. The purpose was because I want to live with them. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take the best. It's going to take the be- the incredible aesthetic is going to be needed so that God's presence would be with his people. So that's what I think the order is. Now, some believers, some of you are still really mad at me. And you're like, no, the agenda's first. <laughs> I hear you. But let me just keep going here and push you a little more. Because I think what's happened classically in Christian creativity is now happening even in the world. I think this has always been our problem. Agenda was number one. And I don't know, was this person really skilled at what they did? I don't know. They were okay. And how about the aesthetic? Is, is this a believable story? Is this the right technique? Is, is this the right procedure for doing this? I don't know. Our hearts are in the right place, all right? And honestly, that, that really is a lot of what's been made. And our hearts were in the right place. Unfortunately, our hands were way off. And it did not have the effect that it should have. Now, of course, the world has no interest in anointing, of course, whatsoever. But they clearly have gifted craftspeople to make things, without a doubt. But these days, the world is making the exact same uh, mistake. Even ability has been submerged beneath message. In other words, as long as you say the right thing, the aesthetic and even the ability of the artist are much lesser in prominence. Just get the agenda right. Again, this has been the classic mistake in in Christian creativity and storytelling. It's been that case in visual arts. It's been that case in film and writing and on and on we go. And we as Christians, we don't want to look like we're compromising. See, that's the problem. We're like, well, I don't want to like hide Jesus in this. So we use the agenda as a blunt instrument 
for the viewer or the listener. And what it, when it ends up happening is we're like, see, we got the agenda right, but it ends up sounding like a timeshare sales pitch. And people can't get out of there fast enough. It has zero effect on the audience. But now the world has fallen victim to this. All right, so I went and saw a movie a couple months ago. I usually like seeing, if I can, I like seeing more offbeat films that are supposed to be maybe a little more on the artistic side and not necessarily for, for a mass audience. I don't know why that has an appeal to me because sometimes there are some real diamonds in there. Um, and so I, I will sometimes go to movies like that. And uh, I'm sorry if you like this film, but there was, a, there was a film called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And, uh, and it was a, it's a British film. And uh, I really I do love British TV and filmmaking, so I thought, oh, let's check this out. And all I can tell you is, um, and it, it did take a little bit of time into it, but it turned out to be clearly and only an agenda movie. Um, the script was horrible. The storytelling was completely baseless. It had no belief. It, it's a working, she's a, she's a house cleaner, basically, and, and she's trying to save money to buy an expensive dress from Christian Dior. And uh, just through a different series of events, uh, she's able to take a trip to Paris. Uh, she wants to purchase a very specific dress, but it's extremely expensive. And she shows up, and of course, the elitists, you know, at Christian Dior are like, what are you doing here? Get her out of here. And, uh, and before you know it, about another half hour, 45 minutes into the movie, she's solving everybody's problems. And we're finding out how awesome socialism is. And she's settling a worker strike between, you know, the, the people there and, and uh, Christian Dior. And she, she's solving everybody's problems. And I'm sitting there just going, are you kidding me right now? There's absolutely nothing believable about this film. And I realized, I mean, that it was just the agenda. The agenda, the agenda was socialism rules. That was the agenda. And I'm, think, I'm not a fan of socialism. And even if you are, I think you would be offended by this movie because it's, it's, it really insults your intelligence. And you're just going, there is no way. There is no way any of this would happen. I kind of felt like a non-Christian who had been invited to church in the 80s when the church was going to show one of those old school tribulation movies and I'm just there to be with my friend and suddenly they're showing this movie and you're like, okay, I see what's going on. And I paid for this experience, by the way. Uh, At least the church service was free. You just lost some time. But I think this is a big reason why art is in the place where it is. Because uh, even those who are Secular practitioners have gotten the order wrong. And for them, it's agenda first. And the other two are way in the background. But I want to tell you that I know believers are catching on. They really have been. Um, I think what blocks us, so let me, let me say this, dear listener. Often as artists, we are concerned with how other Christians will react to what we make. And if agenda isn't number one, if we're we're not being 
completely overly obvious. And we're, unless we're quoting Romans 8 on the page or the screen or the photo or the stage production, then there's no way the Lord will like it. We're, hi- we're hiding our light under a bushel, you know. Um, so let me say it again. We have to get back to anointing. Let God direct you with your art. Because I'm, I'm telling you, the Lord, the Lord uses subtlety more often than we realize. Although you might say creation is quite blatant. I'll talk about that in a second. And then you go for the best aesthetic possible. Do great storytelling. Do proper execution of the art form. Don't don't worry about what your Christian friends will say on Facebook. Do not. They may not get it. But you want something that really speaks. And I think the Lord wants to guide you there. I really think he does. And the agenda, when we do that, will naturally reveal itself. It will. Because if, we're, if we are trying to glorify God in our art, and that doesn't mean we have to do the big blatant agenda. You can actually glorify God without doing that. Yes, it is possible. Think about this. I mean, we, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. We don't need cloud formations in the sky that spell out, I made this, God. The creator and the aesthetic is telling humankind there is someone higher who made all of this. We either obviously admit that or we lie to ourselves. Those are the two choices by beholding creation. Paul goes a step further in in Romans 1. He makes the case quite blatantly. He says they know the truth about God. He's talking about wicked and, and sinful people. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. How do you like that? You see, the agenda is revealed through the divine act of creation. This is what we desire as artists as well. We are not ashamed of Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not at all. Just stop making art that tries to make other Christians happy who already hate everything anyhow. Be led by God in your direction. Then go for divine beauty in what you do. And the agenda will be revealed in correct proportion. And it will either provoke worship or self-deception. So let's just get back to setting the pace creatively as the people of God, because the Lord already showed us how. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the Madcast. 
please share this with a friend. We would love to expand our MattCast family. If you have a question or comment, you can email me at mattcastworld at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you'd like more information or listen to our archives, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. Thank you.